letter eight of the outcast by william winwood reed this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine letter eight when i returned home i told the servants that particular business called me to london at once and that i might perhaps not return for some little time the whole night i was engaged in writing letters to margaret a long farewell to mr jameson a short note explaining my departure i wrote to my father gave my reasons for quitting the church and promised to write again as soon as i had a fixed address i sent my cheque-book to mr watson and begged him to pay the tradesmen servants etc and to send my personal effects to an address which i would afterwards communicate i also asked him to permit his curate to take my duty till some one should be sent by the bishop in my place having packed a small valise which i carried in my hand i walked down into the village a little before daybreak and posted the letters then i waited for the coach the grey streaks of dawn were flushing into pink the birds were beginning to twitter and to shake the dew from their plumage labouring men were going to their work when the horn sounded and the horses hoofs rang sharply on the road in a few minutes more i was borne swiftly away looking back on a vanishing scene and lamenting the joys that were gone i took lodgings for a week at a market-town twenty miles from stilbrook on the london road thence i wrote two letters to the bishop of t the first was a formal resignation of my living in the other which i marked private i thanked him for his great kindness and related at length the process of thought which had led to the change of my belief he wrote back the kindest letter possible and told me how he himself when at my age had also passed through a period of sceptical gloom and had all but given up his profession however his doubts soon passed away and never returned to trouble him again he advised me to travel on the continent for a year and before the twelvemonth was ended he had little doubt that i should have returned to my belief in the meantime my interests should not suffer he should consider my absence as sick leave for he was sure that my brain was overworked and that this attack of infidelity resulted from physical disease return to my belief as well might a river return to its source my reply was respectfully gratefully expressed but it was conclusive this correspondence being ended and mr watson having sent me my clothes and books nothing detained me in the town and now i felt a yearning for home i remembered what margaret had said that our parents are our best friends i remembered my father's kindness when last i was at harborne and the promptness with which he had consented to my marriage i believed that in spite of his cold exterior he really loved me tenderly and it was my duty to consult him before i began my new life i thought of going to london but if he wished me to stay with him i would obey as soon as i had made up my mind to go home i felt too impatient to wait for a reply and wrote word to say that i was coming by the next day's coach harborne was not on the coaching road and i alighted as usual at a wayside inn about five miles from the village the ostler took down my luggage and greeted me in the accents of the north which sounded home-like to my ears presently i saw the dog-cart in the distance and james drove up to the door the horse had his water and hay james had his beer and i was just stepping up when he suddenly said beg pardon master edward i nearly forgot this here 
and he took a handkerchief out of his hat and a letter out of the handkerchief i read it with one foot still upon the step it was from my father who said that he could not receive in his house a hardened infidel and that if i came in spite of his letter he would turn me out in the presence of the servants i ordered the ostler to take out the luggage and carry it indoors james became red in the face bain't you coming home sir said he no james said i my father and i have a quarrel it seems but i dare say we shall make it up by and by he touched his hat and slowly drove off i inquired if a coach would again pass the house that day they said that none would pass either way till the next morning at eight o'clock i ordered a bed and some dinner and then going up to my room locked the door i tried to eat something at dinner for i knew that i had need of bodily strength but it was impossible the sight of food disgusted me feeling restless and excited i went out of doors and walked quickly along a familiar path a strong wind was blowing from the north and across the moon sailed the clouds tinged by its tawny halo and pierced by its cold white rays around me lay the moors like a wide black sea on on i walked wailing aloud at length i could give vent to my grief nobody could hear me o oh, miserable man two sorrows had stricken me at once i had lost my love i had lost my home i was an outcast alone and desolate then my blood boiled and my tears dried up and i cursed my hard-hearted father who had put me to shame that day lights twinkled in the distance harborne was before me i skirted the village and climbed a steep hill lying on the left the sky was now covered with clouds and the wind was boisterous a storm was coming up the church loomed before me mistily on the summit of the hill i found that the gate was not locked and entered the graveyard above the grey mounds and small stone slabs a white obelisk rose i fell on my knees before it as before an altar and prayed to god i summoned the spirit of my mother from the past and she to my memory vividly returned again i saw her face so loving and resigned again i heard her sweet sad voice and as i thought of the long years she had passed with a loveless man in a lonely house and what she must have suffered and how she had endured i repented of my own poor rage and resolved that her life should be my example and that never would i cherish an unkind thought against my father any more for what pleasure had i left but that of being good the black night deepened and still i remained kneeling by the tomb but now the storm which had long been gathering burst forth in a few minutes i was drenched to the skin and the moist wind penetrated to my bones i tried to shelter myself beneath the yew but it creaked and groaned and swayed to and fro as if about to be torn from its roots then i crouched under the wall and fell into a stupefied sleep when i awoke the storm had ceased the sky had cleared the moon dull and red was near the horizon i knew that the dawn must be near and that i must go back to the inn but my limbs were cramped i could scarcely stir and my whole body was racked with pain i dragged myself along on my hands and knees and this movement partly restored my circulation but to walk five miles it seemed hardly possible yet done it must be somehow or another at that moment i heard the sound of wheels a man driving a gig stopped at the churchyard gate and having fastened the horse's reins to the post 
walked slowly to my mother's tomb he bared his head and stood with his arms folded on his breast gazing intently on the grave then he said in a low voice ellen and turned to go away i cried out his name and staggered towards him he bore me in his arms to the gate put me beside him in the gig and drove at full gallop to his house having given me some brandy he called two men and made them rub me with flesh-gloves from head to foot but the next day i was delirious with fever end of letter eight recording by expatriate in bangor maine